Hey, my name is Gregory Koberger, and I'm the founder of Leave Me. To help fight the boredom, we launched WAPI, an ephemeral radio station that I hosted live for 24 hours straight. We talked about building amazing developer experiences with some awesome guests. Most of the 24 hours are gone forever, but we're releasing recordings of some of our favorite hours. Let's listen in. You're listening to the WAPI Bootleg Recording. All right, we're back, uh, and we have Tom here now. Tom, are you around? Can you hear us? Yes, I am on. Hello. Awesome, perfect. Where are you holed up currently? I'm in San Francisco. Nice. Um, so uh, do you want to give people a quick introduction to uh, what you're working on these days and who you are? Sure. My name's Tom Preston Werner. Uh, I've worked on many things throughout my career. You probably know me best from GitHub. I co-founded and was CEO of GitHub for a while. And I am now working on Redwood JS. I've also done things like Jekyll, which I created um, during my GitHub. I've also worked on semantic versioning. I created the semantic versioning spec that is used in Node and many other places. And I also created Toml, which is a configuration language used by Rust for the cargo packaging system uh, and, and a variety of other things, including Netlify. And uh, so I'm here mostly to talk about Redwood, I hope, and see what questions people have about it and give you some taste for what that's like. That sounds perfect. Um, I want to talk about Redwood, and I also want to talk higher level. You have done such a phenomenal job. Like like you said, everyone knows GitHub, but um, so many things we use from Gravatar to um, Semver and all these little weird things that um, either people use directly or even with Jekyll, it was one of the first statically generated anything. And now you're an investor in uh, Netlify, and you've had such a great finger on the pulse of kind of what people want uh, next. So I want to talk a little bit about um, not necessarily the specifics, but just how you think about what your next project's going to be. Um, but yeah, we also have um, David's here as well, uh, who's also on the core Redwood team. Is that true? Yes. Hey, I, I think I got it working, guys. Perfect. Uh, hey, David. First of all, where are you currently, David? Uh, I am uh, about two miles from Tom okay. uh, in San Francisco. Yeah, so we are uh, so close yet so far these days. <laughs> uh, that's Indeed. perfect. And then uh, what's your background before this? And uh, yeah, who are you? Yeah, so uh, in technology as well, um, I've uh, this is my first time to get to work with Tom. Uh, we've, gosh, probably known each other, been family friends for about six years, but uh, been been in the startup uh, realm as a co-founder many times. Um, kind of data and DevOps is where I've lived before, um, and so this is my first foray into the framework world. But I've uh, done a lot of product work and definitely know what it's like to work with tools I don't like. Uh, so we're trying to change some of that up this time around. That's perfect. Um, so how so Redwood? How long ago did you start working on Redwood? It came out uh, publicly about a week ago or two weeks ago. But how you? How long have you been working on this? Redwood comes from some ideas that I've had for a while. So we started working about it in earnest probably about a year ago, and it's been it's been kind of on and off as as time permitted, with development sort of accelerating over the last six months as I brought on. Uh, it was originally Peter Pistorius, who's not able to be on the call. He's in Berlin, so it gets pretty late there <laughs> this time of day. Um, and so he and I, I kind of approached him with the idea, and we started spitballing. And, and I can't claim to be, honestly, a JavaScript mastermind. I, I'm, I'm fairly new to modern JavaScript. I've been learning it now for a couple of years. Yeah, I was going to ask about that, because um, you uh, were big in the Ruby community for a while, right? And now it seems like yeah, you kind of switched I'm, over. 
I'd say I'm, I'm much more expert at Ruby than I am at JavaScript, but I recognize the power of JavaScript in today's world of, of application development. And it's, it's come so far in the last couple of years. From the last time I was really writing it professionally was early days at GitHub, and that's like 10 years ago now. So within the, the intervening 10 years that I wasn't really writing a lot of JavaScript, coming back to it, and especially via React, looking at, at the language itself and, and just the everything that's been added to the language in those years, it's, it's really an amazing language now. It's really usable. I don't miss a ton from Ruby when I'm using it. A lot of the, the things that I loved from Ruby are now available in JavaScript. So I don't, it doesn't make me frustrated to use JavaScript. I mean, certain things obviously make me frustrated and I'm sure make everyone frustrated in the JavaScript world. That's why we're all working on tools. But it's, um, Peter was, it, it works with me at, at the startup that I've created after GitHub called Letterbug, which is a foreign language learning application. So if you want to learn French or Spanish or German, you can go to chatterbug.com and you can learn those languages, especially useful today when maybe you're stuck inside for long periods of time. So we started working on, um, we started uh, building the site originally in Rails with a very kind of plain vanilla uh, front end Rails front end methodology with jQuery and stuff, and, and then we started deciding that React was a better front end system because it is, and started implementing all new stuff in React. And so I started programming that and learning it, and just fell in love with everything that it made possible. But then become frustrated with using it with Rails as a back end, and just wishing that I could do JavaScript all day through. And so I sort of roped Peter into helping me work on some crazy ideas I had about how we could have a fully jam stack style, full stack web application deployable to Netlify and what that would even mean. And then we just started hacking on it together. And that was about a year ago. Nice. And you mentioned uh, Jamstack. For people who don't know what that stands for, what's the Jamstack? So the Jam and Jamstack stands for JavaScript APIs and markup. So Traditionally, so far, Jamstack has really been focused on the style of application that you would think of from like Jekyll, right? So build a Jekyll site, it's, it's you, you generate, you have some markup and you convert those into full HTML pages. And then you might have some JavaScript there as well to create some dynamic bits. And then you would deploy that onto a CDN. And this represents your sort of Jamstack, your traditional Jamstack application. Today, there's usually not a custom backend, oftentimes not. You might be leveraging third-party APIs. That's where the A in, in Jam comes from, APIs. So if you want to pull in comments onto a blog, then that would be a third-party API that you would use to do that. If you want to sell things, you might incorporate Shopify or Snipcart or some other system. But you're fully delivering your application, and I use application sort of loosely in this context. It's usually content-driven sites, so blogs, uh, marketing sites, uh, e-commerce things are becoming more common, but it's rare today that you would see a full application, like what you would consider a web application, something like GitHub itself, or something like we're building at Chatterbug, or Twitter, or any of these things that are very data-driven interactive applications. You're not generally going to see much of that in the Jamstack world today, and that's what I want to change. That makes a lot of sense. Um, it seems like you kind of have a very similar-ish ethos to um, 
uh, something like Meteor, but also very, very, very different. Um, kind of the JavaScript from front to back, everything's JavaScript um, with kind of uh, GraphQL on the back end, but also you've done it in a way that can be deployed to um, in a way that other things can't be like, and I, I know Next is doing it a little bit differently and they're trying to do static deploying stuff, but you kind of did static first. Um, does that sound about right? Or how, how do you think about stuff like that? Yeah, Redwood shares some similar aspects to a variety of solutions that are out there today. But the thing I'd say, the most different thing about Redwood is that it's optimized for, and the whole point of building Redwood really was to prove out whether you could build a proper full stack web application and think about it in the same way that you currently think about your Jamstack sites that you're building. The database ends up being the hardest part but deploying the front end via, let's say you're deploying to Netlify, for instance, if you could Redwood application, your front end would be written in React today, and you could push that to Netlify, and it would be deliverable deliverable statically via Netlify's CDN. And so you have your front end client being delivered on the edge via CDN. And then that's going to GraphQL to your back end, which is just a GraphQL API. Your backend is a GraphQL API. There is no other backend. Like that is the that is the conversation that your front end and your back have are GraphQL. So you build your GraphQL API and Redwood makes that as easy as possible to get that going. Traditionally there's a lot of boilerplate in hooking up Apollo and the resolvers mm-hmm. and things and how do you organize them and how do you split them and how do you merge the schemas? Redwood takes care of all of that for you. And so we make it easy then to deploy your GraphQL API to a Lambda function. And you can do that by pushing it to Netlify, very simple. So now you have a GraphQL API running on Lambdas, which are scalable by their very nature, and you could distribute them globally also by their very nature. If you wanted, now you have to do some extra things with Netlify. Netlify is not gonna make that super easy today, but I am on the Netlify board now, so I get to to have some say in where Netlify goes, and, and I intend to to try to push it in that direction um, because I think it's really, it can be very powerful. Uh, so that, so now you have your front end and your back end talking GraphQL, and then your database layer is probably the least figured out part. And keep in mind, Redwood is alpha, like very alpha. <laughs> so if you're trying to build a real application with it today, you'd be like, this is the worst thing in the world because it's, it's not going to be super smooth. There's things. <laughs> it's, like, not that, we, it's not that bad. Okay, well, you know, I'm, so Tom's not in charge of marketing. One, I'm, not one, I'm not one for, I'm not one for hype. So here's, <laughs> let me, let me take a segue here. Not, I, I'm the hype guy. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> into... <laughs> Uh, I'll give you a, an insight into how I think about marketing and, and hype. So I've been at several startups now that have tried to use hype to their advantage. And I think it turned out to be a pretty large disadvantage. And there are many other startups that you can see out there today that that feel like they're the worst kind of hype. And I will, I will try not to use too many names in discussing <laughs> this. But use Ryan or company. I can talk about the companies that I was at because I had a hand in them. So I was at a startup called PowerSet before I worked it, before I created and worked at GitHub. And PowerSet was a search engine, and we were going to try to be better at search than Google, which turns out to be hard. Um, but we we did hype it up, and I think the problem with hype is that if you launch and your product does not live up to the hype, then you're screwed. 
mm-hmm. you're the, the people who believed in you and you're like, wow, this sounds amazing. They buy into it and then they get to try your product and it's not very good and it doesn't live up to the hype. You will probably lose those customers forever. Mm-hmm. And so my take on this, on how you release products, and this is how GitHub always was, was that you don't hype things that don't exist. Vaporware is, I think, extremely dangerous. And instead, you build stuff until you head to a state where it's it's alpha or beta or something that people can use. And then you announce it and you say, hey, here is a very early primitive version of what we have in mind. You can play with it, but buyer beware. And you can help us build it. And if this is interesting to you, then come join our community. And if you do that, then it's okay that your initial product isn't everything, everything that people want. I mean, it has to be eventually, right? Like Redwood is now 03, right? I expect that before we get to 1.0, we might be like 0.93 or something. I I have no idea. Your example last week was dot two three six, I think. So, okay, and, and I think well, your caveat well, was that's the great thing about numbers—they just keep going. Yeah, the, you know, you're not gonna you're not gonna run out of numbers, right? And uh, and that's that's a thing that I think people still have a hang up over when it comes to semantic versioning is like, oh, but you know, I don't want to have a high version number. That's really weird. It's like, what? But, but why? Why does it matter? What matters most? Is, I mean, if anything, that's good because it it that desire, that desire to not change your major version number a lot is a really good social thing because it makes you want to maintain backwards compatibility. And you're like, well, maybe we can release this in a way that maintains backward compatibility and then we don't have to bump the major version. And so it, it really is, is encouraging you to do the work of maintaining backwards compatibility. But in zero dot, you can do anything you want. Right. So (laughs) we will, you know, right now we're sort of make believing that the minor version is a major version and talking about breaking releases, which 032, well, the 03 version, 03 and 030 and 031 had some bugs. So we rapidly fixed those. So we're on 032 (laughs) that we do not speak of them. (laughs) We're still figuring, we're still figuring out how this release, this release works. Right. So this is the thing with a, a young open source project, though. You figure it out as you go. So we're going to screw things up and we're going to be like, oh, we released 030 and it had a bug and it was, you know, breaking something. And now we have to really, you know, and then the next time we'll make sure that we don't do that. Right. We'll add tests, we'll add systems. This is how every company, every project grows and becomes more sophisticated. So what I, the point I'm trying to get at is that we will iterate a lot and there's a number of things to build, but by getting Redwood out there in a primitive state without hype, just dropping it on the world uh, without, you know, spending months and months talking about how great it's going to be. And, oh, I have the secret system that you're going to get to use. If you don't live up to that hype, it's super, super dangerous. And Redwood is an experiment. And it's out, I had an inclination that people would really like it. And it turns out that a lot of people really do like it. But it's still very limited in the use cases that it can address. We never, we just haven't built them yet, right? So certain things with relations when it comes to a database those things don't work quite the way that we want. <laughs> that's not because they're broken. It's because they just don't exist yet. And eventually they'll exist and it'll be very, very sophisticated and it will handle all these use cases and it'll be super duper amazing. <laughs> but I'd rather I'd rather show you that than talk too much about how it's going to be. You know, I'd rather just build it and then you see, you see that. 
that sounds makes a lot of sense. Um, I I swear I'm not leading anywhere with this. It's, it's a genuine question, but um, so you invented Semver many 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 years ago. Is there anything you'd go back and change now, um, or do you still feel like it's a pretty good uh, solid? Um, you know how people talk about you know the different versions and patches and things like that. Or is there anything that you're like, oh, I kind of wish I'd done it differently? Um, that's a good question. I think. It's pretty solid. Mm-hmm. There's, I would maybe have a stronger. I mean, it says it in the in the spec right now. <laughs> Semantic versioning requires a a well defined public API. So mm-hmm. this is probably the thing that confuses people the most. It's it's that in order for semantic versioning to mean anything, it means that you have to have a well defined public API that you can track those semantic changes against. So when it comes to large things, we're like, well, how would this work for a web browser? It's like, ah, I, like, what does that even mean? What is the public API of a web browser? Now, these kind of these kinds of products at that level, mm-hmm. it doesn't work as well for. It's really designed for libraries that other projects are using. That is the sweet spot of semantic versioning. And mm-hmm. in that regard, I think it works very well. And it's not perfect because humans are not perfect, and we're not always going to have a perfect track record of capturing every change perfectly. But the, I think the most sensible way to develop using third-party libraries is that you pull them in, you lock the version to whatever you pulled in, you do your testing, you do any any auditing that you need to do depending on what your use case is, spend as much time yeah. doing that. You lock to those versions, and now as your dependencies change, you can look at them and you can say, what is the intention of this change? And if there's a breaking change, obviously I need to pay more attention to that. I need to pull that in purposefully. I need to test it. I need to do additional auditing. It means that you can communicate that information better. This is not a replacement for human effort. You're never going to erase that. You, there might be some automated ways that you could to some extent, but it will never take the place of a human looking at third-party dependencies, evaluating them for fitness and breaking changes. Like Anytime you upgrade anything, you'll always have to test for breaking changes. You can never trust semantic version. <laughs> That's not really what it's about. But it does give you the flexibility in your dependencies to... This is not as much of a problem in JavaScript as it is in other languages, but if you have two, uh, two other dependencies that that rely on different versions of something you can end up in a world where they conflict they conflict, and now you can't move forward. And so semantic versioning allows you to upgrade from third-party dependency while still satisfying the requirements of those things that rely on that third dependency and have it still work out. So that's, I, what would I change? I don't know. <laughs> I, I think it's solid. Like it's really resilient now to changes. Yeah, I mean, the reason, I, was, there, the reason people, I asked was because it's, it, it's things have changed so much in tech and it's one of the few things that has remained almost untouched and has just been, hasn't had to change. And that's kind of why I asked was because um, it was, you know, things have changed so much in the past five, 10, 15 years, except for uh, Semver seems to be pretty solid somehow. Gravatar <laughs> too. It feels like it's, it's, it's hardened in the right way. Gravatar, right? Yeah. I, I feel like people have leaned into Simbar even more. Um, and, and just, just to come clean, I don't think I knew that Tom actually like started Simbar until about six months ago. <laughs> so, it was one of those yeah, embarrassing. You said you saw it at the, at the bottom of the page, right, David? You're like, oh, oh, wait, that was that was Tom. It was the same time. I'm like, oh, that's what Tomal stands for. So yeah, that was late night over beer confessions. 
Well, this is the this is this is the beauty of the of like writing specs is that it's uh it's sort of a short it's like open source but but you don't have to write any code and everyone else writes the code for you like Tomel <laughs> right I wrote the Tomel spec and then a few days later there were implementations and I never had to write any code at all and, oh, and but with some semantic version semantic versioning is even I mean at least with with um, Tomel I like created a spec semantic versioning was really just take patterns that already existed and giving them a name and some standard that people could rally behind. So that's, that I think is power. This is always, whenever I do anything, I always get the XKCD comic where it's like, Oh, there's, you know, 37 solutions to this problem. I know what I'll do. I'll, you know, I'll, <laughs> I'll create a better version. Right. And now there's 38. <laughs> and that's, that's basically the story of my life, but this is the story of everything. This is the story of how everything came to be if people afraid to create a new better version of something then there would be nothing hmm. like look at the iphone right apple came out with the iphone what and people were like oh now there's you know 93 versions of what a phone could be but guess what it was better so it's never i think about too much choice it's about what are the best choices available and eventually the world will coalesce on the best choices but if we don't explore the territory then how can we find the best places yeah one of the things that i think about a lot is um there's this concept that people throw around it's a meaningless phrase and i hate it of like best practices or when you want to do something new or weird or interesting if someone comes back and says well that's not best practices or that's not you know how we do things and i think tom you've done a great job you know first github i think you could argue that Git was supposed to be decentralized and, you know, GitHub was anti-everything that Git stood for at the time, but you um, didn't let that stop you and and change things. Uh, same with Redwood. Um, there's so many things about it that are traditionally wrong that like five years ago, we all would have agreed was completely wrong. Like you're mixing way too much together. There's a lot of things, you know, just, just weird about it. Um, how do you approach things that we all kind of have agreed on and think about it in a different way? And how do you make that decision um, of yeah, let's go forward on this and let's let's push this further or maybe there's best practices for a reason. I think there's room for best practices with mature technologies. I think that will always be the case. So for instance, in the GraphQL world, and this is quite relevant to Redwood and many mm -hmm. people's jobs today, there's a really a big desire for best practices where it's like, okay, got it. All right, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write my GraphQL schema. Okay. And then the next thing on your mind is, how do I do that and not shoot myself in the foot? And where is that information? And then you go search for GraphQL schema practices. And, and, and that's great. I, you know, I wish that there were more of those. I wish there were more opinions about that. There's not very many out there. And so everyone just kind of wings it for a while. And eventually someone builds something big and complicated and goes through a lot of choices of ways to screws them up and then has to fix them. And then they write some best practices. And, and, that's, and that's highly useful. So, but I think that's really specific to mature technologies. I don't think there can be best practices for really new technologies. And that's why you haven't seen mm -hmm. a lot of that in some of these newer JavaScript libraries and frameworks and things and processes because it's all very new but now the world is looking for best practices and so with redwood redwood really is 
hoping to be a codification of a lot of best practices for React and GraphQL and Jamstack serverless and all of these things. Take the knowledge that people have had to suffer to get to over the last eight years and make it super easy for everyone to use because that people are craving that right now. To me, it kind of feels a little bit like where I was at with uh, PHP, say, 15 years ago mm-hmm. when Rails first came out. And, and I, you know, it felt like everyone was building kind of <laughs> their own. <laughs> everyone had a proprietary PHP framework. Oh, I definitely wrote my own. We were, we were all, we all wrote, you know, a crappy PHP framework. And then Rails came out and Rails was like, hey, how about you use a, a real language that can, you can also use the command line, which was like, whoa, I can do command line stuff too. And and bundled up all of this framework stuff so that you didn't have to write, you know, isn't what you were trying to build. You were trying to, you know, write, you were like, I want to write business logic. I want to solve problems for customers. I don't want to write a framework. And so Rails delivered that framework beautifully with a language that that had such useful semantics and was mind-blowing in what it could do and how easy it and approachable it was. And that that was amazing. And it feels a little, it's different, obviously, but it feels a little bit, there's some of that today in the JavaScript world where it's like, we have all these pieces and you can assemble them in a a nearly infinite number of ways. And everyone (laughs) does it differently. And every time you go to start a React-based app, you choose like a different stack of technologies because they change so fast. And there's so much churn and it just feels very daunting. And I can't even imagine what that feels like to a being React JavaScript developer to come into this ecosystem and say, all right, I'm gonna start with create React app and then, right, and then and then you're just, now you're gonna spend the next six months like figuring out what pieces to add to it. And so Red wants to add those pieces for you, make those choices, integrate them beautifully so that it feels like you're doing less work. And indeed, you should be doing less work, making fewer choices, and just get to your business logic. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, David, what are you working on now that you're most excited about over the next uh, few weeks as far as Redwood's concerned? Um, A whole lot of config. Okay. (laughs) In Toml, or how are you (laughs) doing the config? We we spend a lot of config. Time to configure these. Yeah, there's... So it's an awesome question. So what I'm really excited about, and I think I just want to highlight... Um, it's awesome to listen to you guys talk. This the state of the ecosystem, and and maybe something to come back to too is uh, Tom. The business logic you saw. It's, it's interesting how there's all these PHP things, Rails come along, and then what you saw was this Cambrian explosion in companies. GitHub was one of them, right? So it was getting the business things, and I don't know if we've seen that quite yet in the JavaScript ecosystem. But so so like when you were just talking, Tom, about like the infinite ways you could solve any problem. So we want to do testing really well in Redwood, right? So we want testing as a first-class citizen to start out right now. Uh, when you when you use our generators and, and create code for whatever, like you're going to get a test uh, along with it. So every file is going to have a test file. Um, and right now, those are pretty <laughs> very simple, uh, probably too simple. But uh, we've been working for weeks now. And we, Peter and I, uh, uh, Peter's got a lot more uh, depth on these things than I, but just to get the config right so that we can actually run jest testing. 
So, but it's been weeks. So a, a part of like going through the pain right now that we're experiencing just to make sure the testing is a first class citizen is just like, we're just in config hell. So between Babel and Webpack and ESLint, um, and it's, it's been amazing, like how, how deep the spiral can take you to just get simple things working on the front end. So that's it. Like when you can actually like run a test uh, on your components, it was out of the box and it works, um, which is also gonna come with, uh, this is the DevOps side, uh, GitHub Actions have been really, we're having fun exploring some things, but um, having some CI out of the box for any time you uh, spin up a, um, and install your your Redwood app um, and the tests that are going to come along every time you generate a component, that's that's what we're excited about. So that's pretty nerdy, isn't it? But config, man. It's all about the config. Well, I think the nice thing well, about what you're doing is um, every single person who's a developer has done everything you've just said, but they've done it one-off and struggled with it. And the only benefit is that you know their particular app doesn't have to struggle with it anymore. The nice thing about what you're doing is you're kind of uh, <laughs> suffering and going through all the pain so that in theory, people in a few years or a few months don't have to. And uh, I think that kind of changes from being frustrating to exciting to a certain extent. Yeah, that's exactly it. I think Redwood could have many taglines. One of them would be, we write your webpack configs. <laughs> we write your just config. We write, how much time do we spend as JavaScript developers today writing configuration files? This is, this is again, goes back to Rails and what Rails really saw. It's like, writing massive XML configuration files to get your Java application framework set up how you want and just go with the blessed path and your life will be amazing. <laughs> so we do the same thing, right? Like how many hours, David, have we spent writing config files? It's, I mean, oh, it's man. Like weeks, weeks Peter's... worth of work to get them integrated, to get these products integrated. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, Peter's in the chat channel right now. It's late for him, but... Um... Yeah, I mean, he could probably give you, yeah, weeks going on months now, right? So, but yes, exactly, because because tests need to happen, but it's hard to do tests when you can't get the config right. Um, well, I feel like one of the things that Rails nailed and a few other developer tools that people really love have nailed is making this kind of magical experience. Um, and I talk about this a lot as far as, you know, how to define what is magic. And we're going to talk about it in about an hour. Um, I have some people on to talk about it. But one of the quotes I really love um, is from Penn and Teller um, about what magic is. And I'm going to play it quick. Sometimes magic is just someone spending more time on something than anyone else might reasonably expect. Um, so I'm not sure if you guys could hear that, Tom and Dave, mm. uh, David. But um, basically, yep. it's... Uh, uh I think it's such a great, they're talking about magic, obviously, and it, it made me think of everything you were saying, which is that uh, Redwood isn't magic because, you know, you two were smarter or figured something out that no one else had. You just have spent so much time doing the heavy lifting for people. And that's why, if, you know, done right, Redwood, Redwood's going to feel magical for people. Um, hmm. And I feel like uh, that's kind of what you're trying to go for with this, is this, people start using it and they're like, oh, GraphQL used to be hard, or oh, GraphQL, or uh, Webpack used to be hard. And it feels like that's kind of where you're getting at with this. Yeah, I haven't heard that quote before, but I, I love that. I think that's totally true in in this in the sense for Redwood that a lot of the magic isn't that this is brand new stuff that nobody's ever seen before. It's that the effort that it takes to put together on top of a create React app is monumental. And so you don't do it. Or you do it sort of half assed and, and you suffer for it for the rest of your life, right? Tech, you, you, you keep piling technical debt on top of technical debt mm -hmm. because you, you're like, well, I gotta, I feel like, you know, this I could make this work if I only knew web 
Webpack better. So I guess I better go learn Webpack properly. And there's a week of your life. <laughs> and so we go through the effort of spending the weeks of our lives to become experts at Webpack so that you don't have to. But we still make it possible to override those when you have the, you know, years later, when you want to do something really special in your app and you need to have that ability to change those things, you can. None of these things are erased from your ability to change them. You can override all of these configuration form, uh, files and, and change them how you need to. So they become accessible, but we, we hide them when you don't need to consider them too much and everything just right. works. But when you need to scale your application or do something outside the norm, then we'll, we're there to make it possible for you to do those hard things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the extension side. All right, thank you. That that quote really, uh, that was just really encouraging, actually. Tom, what do you think, can you put a name to some of the reactions we've received from people so far? Um, and again, you, you put a lot of the right language around Redwood is, you know, the Rails, Rails ethos and the conceptual thinking that you've brought to it. But there really has been this response from people of like, oh, this is magical. But can you put a little bit more of a name to that? Like, what is it that people are seeing? Because I think it's unique to the JavaScript ecosystem right now, too. But um, I just, yeah, I wanted to explore that a little bit more. Like, what are they reacting to so strongly when they say, like, oh, Redwood is magical? Is it, I mean, what? yeah, what does that really mean? I think it's a reaction to the fatigue of having to do this stuff over and over. And mm -hmm. because you're focusing on your business logic and what makes your application special, never feeling like you're doing it quite right. And that, and that configuration and setting up and integrating all of these different pieces together, it's so much work that it gets in your way. And, and you, but you can see the potential. You, you can look at React and GraphQL and Prisma 2 now that's coming out and serverless. And you see all of these great technologies laying in front of you with these amaz this amazing dream of what could be possible. And they're, they're there, just out of reach. You can see them, but you can't touch them. And so you go and you try to make them work together. And then you realize that that's a huge amount of work. And what I think people are reacting to with Redwood is that feeling that if only someone could integrate these disparate products that I am already probably using in the way that made sense and where I didn't have to spend the time trying to get just working with whatever random <laughs> webpack configuration directive I just added, that that would be, that that would be awesome, right? You can, I think a lot of people see that. They see the power in a fully integrated, full stack, all the way down framework and are just craving something that's easier than what they can do today. Today, you have the power. You have the power to do what you want to do. But do you have the time to get to that, to that dream? And I don't think most people do. And I don't think most people should have to take time. Yeah. This is something that a framework is well positioned to do for you in the same way that Rails did. All of these, all of this power was available. And it was, but it was, it was just out of reach. Man. That really that really resonates. I'm 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 glad I asked that question. We've actually never <laughs> talked about that specifically before, but it goes back to, you know, a year ago, two years ago, when we were having conversations and, and ideas around Red Rip, you would bring you would bring them up. But we were always talking about the things we wanted to build. Right? Like our conversations were always about the things we wanted to see in the world that didn't exist yet. And 
and then so redwood became kind of a like well that's what we need to get there right but yeah so anyway that just really resonates with what you said i feel that as well man good answer yeah i i love i love building tools i love building tools that accelerate how quickly other people can do things and github was very much that chatterbug is also a tool for accelerating the rate at which you can onboard and use a language and redwood too is a tool to get you further faster with more happiness and less code yeah and tom one thing i've loved about pretty much everything you've done whether it be github redwood anything else is that there's nothing insanely new or special you just kind of catalyze the way people are doing it remove the stuff that's clunky and smooth it over and um i think a lot about back to the whole magic thing um the thing i love about magic is uh or talking about it is that if you learn the magic trick it's not that exciting um so if i walk you through how netlify works it's really not that exciting um it's a bunch of steps that everyone's already been doing for uh, a decade uh Maybe you know a decade ago we were using FTP. Five years ago we were using uh, you know Heroku via Git push and stuff like. And, and there's nothing special or new that like if I talk about Netlify and walk you through exactly what's happening, it pushes it to a CDN. It uh, C names blank to blank and all this. Like it's really nothing exciting. But the thing that's magical and much like a magic trick is that you don't see the the steps. You just see the start and you see the end and you're like, whoa! How did I get from there to there? Um, and I think that's, um, you know, Netlify is something you've been involved in, even though you're, you don't work there, obviously, but, you know, you've been a big fan, investor, and then uh, on the board. And, and I think there's a lot of cool stuff like that. And the most magical developer experiences are exactly that. They, they take a bunch of stuff that already exists because at the end of the day, what is programming if not just adding different layers of abstraction on top of different layers of abstraction to the point where, you know, everything compiles down to the same zeros and ones. We just keep abstracting and building on top of it. Um, yeah, and I just think you've done an amazing job over your career of uh, finding these weird things that could be smoothed over and smoothing them over. Yeah, thanks. I think this probably comes from some ideas I read a while ago, uh, talking about the adjacent possible. So so you think about like, how do new ideas come into the world? How do we make progress? And why is it that quite often you have multiple people and differences in the world independently inventing essentially the same thing at the same time? Mm -hmm. Why is that a phenomenon? Like calculus. Calculus was invented essentially simultaneously by two different people. Why is that? You wouldn't expect that to happen for these for these these types of, of things, but it happens all the time. And so the the answer to that is this idea of the adjacent possible that imagine all of the knowledge that we have as a species as rooms that have their lights on and they're and they're interconnected. So rooms lead to other rooms through doors. And the things that we know rooms that we've been in and have turned on the lights. But all of these rooms have rooms next to them with doors that we haven't opened yet. And so the next adjacent possible thing is just past one of those doors. And that's why, given the state of everything that we know, the next thing to be invented, it's often two people will open one of those doors at the same time and will discover that next thing. And it often is from bumping ideas into each other. So you take the ideas that, that come from different rooms and you bump them together. And so the door that you open is a door that has other doors that go to these other ideas that have already been had. And so things like calculus, the the basis for calculus was out there. The necessary prerequisites for its invention or discovery or whatever you want to call it, those were out there. And so it was just a matter of time before someone stumbled across it in the right way and then started working on it. And and I think a, a lot of what I've done in life has come exactly from that. 
GitHub was was really, I mean, if you talk about what GitHub is, it's also, you're like, oh, well, there was a pre-existing uh, version control system that someone else invented. And well, we've been doing what's for a long time and people have been collaborating on things for a long time. So like, why is GitHub special? And the reason for that is because it was this, com this special combination of ideas. It's not that any of those ideas on their own was revolutionary. It was a specific combination of ideas at the right time and place and, and execution matters too. And obviously luck goes into it, but that's, that's the story of my life is like trying to find these, <laughs> the adjacent possible, where's the adjacent possible. And in the world of JavaScript, to me, I felt like it was impossible to get a decent react based web framework or web application going. Like, why was it so hard? And if it's hard for me, it's got to be hard for other people. And and what are the opportunities of scaling it out based on a Jamstack architecture? What if you could push everything to the edge? What if you could push your client to the edge? What if you could push your business logic to the edge? What if you could pu push your database to the edge, which you can do now with things like Fauna. And there's even distributed relational databases that are not quite as easy to get into as something like Fauna. And Redwood doesn't support Fauna yet, but it will through... Um, through Prisma 2 here before mm -hmm. too long. If you were to use those three things, if you were to, to push your front end client to the edge with a CDN, your business logic to the edge with Lambda, and your database to the edge with something like Fauna or another technology, then you could have your entire your entire application to the edge with essentially infinite scale available to it. And looking at that and seeing the potential in that architecture, it's very hard to do that today. It's been very challenging making Redwood work, getting it to deploy to Netlify. We've been, we've had to work, you know, I don't even know how we would do this if we didn't know the Netlify people really well, because we go back and forth with them and we say, how do we do this? This thing breaks. We get a seg fault when this happens. We get a, you know, it, and then they change things and then it breaks what we're doing. So we're, we're definitely pushing the edges of, of the adjacent possible. But I love that. I love being in that position. Uh, Tom, to go back a little bit uh, to um, GitHub, it's so obvious now, like so obvious to the extent that my parents have heard of GitHub and it just makes total sense. But you said before that uh, it didn't necessarily feel groundbreaking at the time. Um, did you get a lot of pushback when you were talking about GitHub early on when you would pitch people on it and they'd be like, I know I already have an SVN server set up or I already have, you know, I already use Git. Um, was it, was it, did people kind of latch onto it early on or did it take you a while to kind of convince people that there's actually some merit in what you're building? I don't know that there was pushback. Mm -hmm. There was perhaps apathy or okay. not, not, you know, it's like, okay, congratulations. Um, I don't, there was never, I don't, I don't remember pushback. Cause okay. it's not like, who who out there was like subversion is the greatest thing I've ever used in my life? Yep. And like I love it so so much. Like I don't know that there was anybody out there that was saying that. I think all of us in the especially people doing open source, were just lamenting how difficult merging was, mm -hmm. branching. I mean, don't even get me started. Right? It was uh, not good at those things. Um, and so it, so what what the the turning point for everyone was? Hey, let me show you how I can make a branch with Git and then uh, how I can merge it back in. And once you showed people that, it was game over. People were like, okay, how do I use this? Mm -hmm. And then they just needed a way to use it. And the state of the art at the time really was, well, you have to get a Linux server and then you have to create user accounts for everyone that's going to use it and then get their SSH keys set up. 
and then they're going to push to um, this common a common um, repository that you might have there, or you could each push and pull from each other's repositories, because distributed system, and and then you and th at that point you've lost, and then people are like, I don't, <laughs> I have, I can't, what I'm not going to do that. Nobody's going to do. Who's going to do that? The Linux core development team is going to do that. That's who's going to do it, and basically nobody else. <laughs> and so. And so this is another place where you look at the possibility, the potential to say, with Git, you can do branching and merging so easy, and you can do it offline, and it's insanely fast, and all these other characteristics, but there's a huge barrier in the way. And so can we, you know, and I said to myself, I'm like, I'm a web developer. I know how to make websites. If I could make a website that made it easy to do all of those things that nobody's going to do then be, people could harness the power of Git. And that, that really was what GitHub was. There are some other decisions that we made that I think were important, like namespacing your, uh, your projects based on your user account instead of having a global namespace like SourceForge did. Mm -hmm. SourceForge, if you recall, I think many people have sort of expunged what it was like to, to use SourceForge. If you recall SourceForge, you had to ask permission to have... A, a project on there because it consumed a top level namespace. And so it was like, oh, well, you've got to have a legit project. If you put it on SourceForge, it's going to be like sourceforge.com slash whatever the project name is. <laughs> and if it's not a legit project, then you're going to be cluttering up uh, a, a name that someone else could potentially use for a proper project. And right. there was like a three day turnaround, three days. It was like, hey, can I put up my project? three days and they would get back to you. <laughs> I thought a lot about that with NPM because um, NPM did the opposite of what you did with GitHub, which was um, NPM made it so that uh, there was that that one name thing. Um, and actually it's kind of worked decently well. Um, how do you feel about that? Or do you think they did something wrong or what would you have done in that situation? I think that's pretty painful, honestly. Um, so, I mean, eventually on GitHub, you do have top level the top level user namespace yep. now is the one that, that people vie for, right? And so I think eventually that does happen, but you still have the freedom of you as an individual can get a username and then you can put up anything you want. Mm -hmm. Nobody cares. Nobody's going to stop you. It can be literally anything you want there and share. NPM has a global namespace, which was really quite challenging for us when we were putting Redwood together. Redwood mm, yeah. didn't always used to be called Redwood. Redwood actually was called Hammer, the Hammer framework. Well, that was its second name. Its first name was Chainsaw. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so it's been through several names. And part of that is because, well, Chainsaw was already taken on NPM, and I was like, oh, I can't use Chainsaw. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to call it Hammer, because that would be awesome. And I had a really good explanation for why I was going to be called Hammer. And and then I was like, I went on and I'm like, oh, well, there's already a hammer. Yes. But it's this totally different thing. It's, you know, it's a touch application. It's like a touch framework for, um, for, for, I, for phones and tablets for, you know, you know, like hammer, you hammer, you know, you press your phone. It's, you know, it's called hammer JS and it has a ton of stars. It's got like 22,000 stars or something on, on GitHub. But I was like, I love the hammer, the name hammer so much that this isn't going to be a problem, right? Like one's this this touch thing and this other one's going to be a web application framework. I'm going to call mine Hammer Framework. So it's going to be called something, you know, it's Hammer Framework instead of Hammer.js. And then it and then someone wrote a web article early on, if it ever talked publicly about Hammer, 
Um, and they wrote a, an article about, hey, check out some upcoming web frameworks. And in that web post, they called it HammerJS. And I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> this, is, this is never going to work. And the very first thing that's going to be a comment on Hacker News when we launch this thing is going to be like, you know, Hammer's taken already, right? <laughs> and I'd have to respond and be like, yeah, you're right. And then I'd have to change the name after we launched it. And so that became a realization. And, and so we changed the name. And I, you know, I racked my brain for what we could call it. And I, and I chose Redwood, which I love. I actually like Redwood now way better than it. And, I, oh. and part of the reason I like it, I, David disagrees with me. He loves Hammer. And <laughs> Hammer, Hammer is so Hammer, satisfying to type on the command line. That's really Hammer it. is really satisfying to type. It's not as satisfying as, as Redwood. But we alias it to RW now, so, you, so it, it's, a moot, it's a moot point. <laughs> oh, that's close to our RM. I'll definitely mess that up at one point. But <laughs> Yeah, careful. careful. <laughs> uh, and there's like, um, a, I, so, do, I do like the metaphor of like, you know, chainsaws are cutting things down, whereas uh, Redwoods kind of grow organically and are a lot more beautiful. Yeah, so. It, it was a it was a journey, and naming things is hard. But like someone in chat said, naming is is one of the most one, naming is one of the hardest things and one of the most important things that you can do when it comes to projects. But I love Redwood, and I especially love it because in today's world and in the React world, everything is like Atom, and and like it, it all comes from the world of physics. Which I I don't don't get me wrong, I love physics. Physics is great, but the the icon for react is the same as the icon for electron is the same as the icon <laughs> for basically you know like 900 projects now and they all have the same motif going on and yep. it, it's a little alienating and a little technical and so with redwood i was like what if we just went completely the opposite direction and we were just like nature ah I uh, I like the name, and I know that um, you're desperately trying to give away uh, stickers online. So I think anyone listening, if they want uh, Redwood stickers, you do you do have a lot of stickers. Yeah, I have many stickers. So if you want a sticker, if you want a Redwood sticker, and we always send five. So if you want five Redwood stickers, so you can give some out to your friends. I mean, eventually, once we're we're not all in our homes anymore. So you know, months from now, <laughs> when you can actually see your friends. Um, I will send you five stickers for free anywhere in the world. We have sent them everywhere. We've sent them to Iraq. We've sent them to India. We've sent them to Russia. We've, I've sent them everywhere now. Um, go to redwoodjs.com slash stickers and just fill out the form and I'll get you stickers. Any, Literally anywhere in the world. Perfect. Uh, David, I have a question for you. So um, we've kind of already discussed that what Redwood is, is it takes a bunch of really cool technologies and combines Config. them, configs them, basically. What is the gap that you see right now as far as like, what's that, that big piece of the thing that you can't, that it doesn't exist? Like, you know, you have GraphQL, you have React. Like, is there is there part of this you have just for testing? Is there anything that's just missing right now? And you're like, we're gonna make the best, but it just sucks. Oh, man. I mean, yeah, we, we've got the list. We've actually posted a list up there. Um, <laughs> like a request for uh, products? <laughs> yeah, I, I think, uh, well, yeah, well, kind of from us talking, like what are the features that we want to have? And I think really Tom's brain is what we dip into the most um, for those things moving forward. Um, I, I guess, yeah, let me let me just riff on a few things we, we have priority right now. Mm -hmm. um, are you familiar with Storybook? Yes, definitely. Okay, so. Or actually, well, I am, but maybe people aren't uh, listening. Yes, but uh, but so story, so first class storybook. That's that's coming up next. I think we even wanted that to be something that was happening um, now. But uh, we've been busy with uh, these things called bugs that happen when people actually use your stuff. Oh, those are the worst, <laughs> aren't they? 
turns out it doesn't all work. Um, yeah, and honestly, I think we've got a long way. So we didn't touch on it, uh, and and I will defer this at the macro level to Tom. But the idea of having a singular API that does all the things, right? So it's not just your point of database, but it could be your point of connection to databases, right? So multiple data sources, uh, but then also is your third party kind of your microservice integrations as well. Um, that's that's really powerful, right? So now you've got whatever clients you want to have consuming one API that talks to all the things you want to. Uh, but so there's a lot of pieces missing for that to be a reality. Uh, but that that's a really beautiful concept. That um, So I guess when I think of like, where is the power that's unharnessed? It's there, but, but the pieces are in play. We just need to figure out how those things are going to work together. And that's going to be hard as well. Uh, Prisma 2 is, is going to help us on the database side tremendously, but there's a lot more work to be done. So uh, yeah, uh, Tom, jump back in here. What are some obvious things that I'm missing that we have on our on our near term, because um, testing oh. is great, but that's not you know everybody's wish list. Storybook is going to be amazing. I think from the developer experience. Tom, jump in. Yeah, I'll add that authentication is oh, yeah. is <laughs> obviously high priority. I mean, how can you create a proper web application if you don't have the ability to have authenticated users keep track of them and do permissions? So, authentication is something that's been on a roadmap since forever. We did, I'll tell you how we did the launch. So we said, we're going to write a really, really good tutorial. And it's going to cover up to this, up to, you know, some certain point of capability. And, and then we're going to, we're going to write it as if all of the things in the tutorial existed. So I wrote before about readme driven development. And, and so this was really tutorial development. We wrote the tutorial the way we wanted it to work. And then we wrote the code to make the tutorial work. And at some point we had to draw a line and say, we need to get this out the door. Other people are working on similar things because adjacent possible. So we need to get this out the door so people can see it. People can start reading if they like it. Uh, we can't wait forever. We could have waited five years for this thing to be super polished and then drop it on the world. But I don't, I don't think that makes sense, right? Get it out there early on so people can start experiencing it. And one of the things that didn't quite make the cut was authentication. It's tricky and we want to get it right. And so we're going to spend some time on it and that's that's coming up. So authentication, some kind of role-based access permissions that'll probably be some kind of plug-in because that's something that everyone wants to do differently. Um, so that's that's a big one, Justin's book. Um, and then making sure that all relations in Prisma and that those are seamless with the generators. There's just a lot of, of scope work around the basic infrastructure of it, just the basic stuff. And mm -hmm. so on Twitter, I, I asked people for some, some questions on Twitter before. So I want to I oh, yeah, just definitely. take a minute and, and, and kind of blast through them while we have five minutes left here. Yeah. So one of them was, what is Redwood going to have before it's 1.0? So it's basically all those <laughs> things that I mentioned. I think all those things yeah. need to be in. I want to keep the scope pretty small but I want it to be a capable framework before it hits 1.0 so that we can iterate and move fast and break things if we have to without having to spend large amounts of time uh, worrying about backwards compatibility. So, so basically everything that I said, that's what I want it to be before 1.0 and probably a few other things that I've forgotten to mention. Uh, another question was um, how long that might take. I would love, I would love to have it 1.0 by the end of the year. That would be a, that would be a goal. Um, so by 2021, I would love to have it. 1. 
they also asked if GitHub shut down today and you had to rebuild, use Redwood JS. I can't say that I would use it today because we can't even do <laughs> authentication. <laughs> but if I if I felt really ambitious, I probably would because um, I would probably I would probably start it and then I would be building the framework simultaneously. So using using it to do that, and we intend to do that. We have some projects that we're um, building that will help drive the implementation of the framework itself. Um, but the thing about GitHub, though, is that GitHub, GitHub has really specific and strange file system requirements because you're storing Git repositories on disk and you have to read from them. So that may have precluded using Redwood as a framework for that today. I don't think you could do it in a serverless way with current serverless technology. Maybe. Mm. I'd have to think about it. So I refuse to answer that question. <laughs> also, um, another, I'm just going to blast through the last couple of questions. How does Redwood handle global state? Right now, we don't make an opinion about that. You could use Redux, you could use MobX, you could use whatever you want. We will possibly make an endorsement. We possibly may say you don't need any third-party library to do that now that we have React hooks, and you should keep your state as local as possible. Um, and then at some point, maybe uh, maybe we invent our own. I don't know. I have no problem creating stuff that's better than what's out there. Yeah, if, we started it. And there's a there's a conversation. Um, you know, I plug for our forum. We did spin up a discourse. Phenomenal software, by the way. Discourse forum. Uh, so community.redwoodjs.com. So a lot of these conversations are happening there. Uh, the one on state um, uh, just started up yesterday. So yeah, we'd we'd love to hear more from people um, to that end in our forum. Yeah, absolutely. Go to the forum. It's uh, community.redwoodjs.com, I believe. And that's where we're trying to collect everyone's thoughts. As opposed to having something like a discourse Slack channel, it makes it hard for people in various time zones to participate. It's less searchable. And so we're, we're trying to go without a real-time chat service for now to try to collect everything in a more public location. I'm curious to see how that'll go. I know that having Slack channels and, and everything is really common today, but I've seen really good arguments for why that's not a good idea. And so we're going to see, we'll see how this works, but good, please go over to the community. And then one last question here, Rails ships with fixtures for having a test database, is Redwood going to have something similar? Fixtures, I have a love-hate relationship with fixtures. I, they, they're very useful. It's very easy for them to become brittle and to just drag you your velocity to essentially zero when it comes to tests. So I tend to like the factory pattern, the like builder um, pattern better, where you're actually using real code to generate the stuff in your database. The problem is that's super slow. So I don't know. Maybe we can come up with a better solution than either of those. Um, but... The, we'll have something, and and for the way that you test your um, th that you test your cells. So Redwood has this concept called cells, which are essentially declarative data fetching. But it's it makes it challenging to test because now your React components have data fetching in them, and so that kills your dream of having these isolated render components at every level. At some level, you might have a lot of those that are just pure functions that they only they only operate on the props that come into them. Um, but cells do their own data fetching and we need to be able to make those easy to test. So we're going to be doing some more mocking to make that really easy. So this all, this is all part of the integration. Like what do these things look like? What does a framework do to help you test your components that are doing data fetching? Cause it's nice to have the data fetching 
logic or at least the, the, the declarative like your GraphQL query co-located with the component and how it's going to use it. It's super nice. Super nice them in one file. It's a pain when it comes to testing. How can we make that easier? <laughs> it turn, turns out. <laughs> so uh, anyway, but right, to have that out of the box and not have to figure that out on your own, um, right? That's that's the dream. So Yeah, and we'll get there. And we have, you know, we, we have four of us working on Redwood now. So myself, Peter, and David, and then Rob Cameron, who um is the tutorial is wizard he's 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 the mastermind of the tutorials he wrote essentially the tutorials and he's now working on a video version of the of the tutorials and i've seen the first section of what he's created and it's it's great he's just he's the best he's the best if you tutorial. love the tutorial you're gonna oh, love the video series oh yeah he put it so this is Kanakin in the chat so he put in the link to the stickers and uh and so there's four of us and have a lot of time to well i don't <laughs> i have i have three children i have three children at home right now and i have about two hours a day that i get to sit in front of the computer and and i have essentially no time but overall we have some capacity and we will have more capacity and and the open source community has been really amazing in helping already so yeah. we love contributors we're very active at responding. Mostly David is active at responding. Thank you, David. Um, so please come. Please come and help us. Please please help us achieve the dream of leveraging all the amazing technology that's in the JavaScript world. Uh, that is a perfect way to end. Uh, Tom and David, thank you both so much for taking the time. Um, I know you're both incredibly busy, and it's a weird, uh, weird time in general, but I appreciate it so much. So you're stuck in your apartment, working from your living room. Your favorite restaurant's the kitchen, and the best bar that you know is Zoom. We can fight the boredom if we try. If we work together, we'll survive. A radio station for developers. For 24 hours, we're going live. With guests and games and panels, we'll make the time fly by. A radio station for developers on WAPI.